Welcome to We Drink and We Know Things, a weekly podcast doused in alcohol and lit with knowledge. Clinkies! Hello. Oh, with the big yawns. <laughs> Hi! Oh, what a way to come into the podcast with a yawn. What up? This is We Drink and We Know Things. The podcast. I'm Tom. I'm Andrea. Yep. We we do we're the people that do this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about all, all kinds, kinds of stuff. stuff. Y'all oh, should know that at this jinx. point, man. We talk about true crime. We yeah. talk about conspiracy theories. We talk about all things weird. Uh extraterrestrials and such. Well yeah, aliens. Yeah. I mean, you know, what haunted stuff, haunted objects. Ghosts, yep. stuff, all kinds of stuff. You know, we're gonna do some of that this evening. I think. I mean, it'd be weird if we didn't. Yep, just talk about. And uh, tonight what we we're talk gonna about. talk about the our love life. Nope. Uh, oh, how what? you doing? <laughs> you doing good? I mean, we've been together all day. Yep. <laughs> well, yep. not all day. No, I had but work. Yeah, yeah, we both kind of worked. We've had a weird week. My mom and dad, and my aunt Neva are. At Disney World in mm-hmm. Florida. You're really jealous. I'm so jealous. My aunt Neva had never been, and so she decided to take my mom and my dad, which is her brother. Yep. And I'm jealous AF. Yep. I get it. I get it. Your family is obsessed with Disney. Oh, my God. Y'all are nuts. So obsessed. I mean, you low-key are kind of obsessed now, too, because... I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm obsessed with the parks. No, I mean with Disney, because Marvel is Disney well, They absorbed, now. like, all the cool shit, yeah. If you hear background dog noises, just, just I'm sorry, you guys, it, I mean, this is episode, what, 13? 14. 14. No, this is 13. Nope. You just published 12. We got 13 in the bank. This is 14. Shit. I can't keep track. Nope. There's so many, because we're killing it. We're knocking them out. We started putting out Christmas decorate. Well, we I've been putting out my indoor Christmas decorations. I helped. Yeah, but we started to do the outside ones yeah, today. Yeah, got after that so. today. Put up a whole damn string of lights and half of them were out after I tested them. Yeah. I, I stepped on a light bulb. Honestly, I'm pretty sure I did. You did. Yeah. I was I mean, like, babe, don't step on light bul- the light bulbs. And you were like, I've I'm got a professional. this. I've got this. I've done this doing. one time before. And I was like, all right. Cool. And then we hung them up and I was like, hey, that one's broken. Yeah. Oh, that one is too. Yeah. These things happen. <laughs> it's totally. about owning your mistakes, I think. Totally. I mean, I try to put up the Santa blow up, then try to move him. It's, you can't. You look good. I mean, a 10 foot Santa blow up on a 5'2 human is really hard to accomplish. Yeah. Like, it, I can't do it by myself. No. It's you bad. did it though. You did great. No, he's not. He's flat outside. He's laying down. He looks like he's passed out. Is there air in him? No. What are we doing? What are we doing? No. <laughs> uh, cool. You got anything you want to say before we get into it? You got anything else? We got some potential really fun, exciting things coming up. Yeah. That we will tell you guys. When uh, they become when things. Yeah. Yeah. When they're solidified. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, yeah. Uh, I don't know. We don't really need to ramble all that much. Nope. I don't know how long mine's going to be. Same. But well, think- mine's going to be pretty, pretty modest. You are going to go first. Am I yeah. wrong? No, you got it. So this woo-hoo. is let's get into it. Did you this. just woohoo? Woohoo! <laughs> woohoo! <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> so this is one of the ones that I wanted to get into 
from when we first got in. This was one of the ideas. I was like, I want to cover this conspiracy theory. But it's... 13 episodes ago. E- well, you know, when we first got into it, it was one I of the things. Yeah, I was just... Yeah. Yeah. For how many... Because we've banked so many episodes, we're killing it. It's actually been a little more than that when you count the minis. Yeah, and we recorded one last night that I think will be cool if it ever becomes a oh, guy. Oh, yeah, we'll yeah. see. <laughs> uh, I was just... Fin- I just finished listening to it. It was good. Uh, so, this is about... The Denver International Airport. Okay, you ever what? heard? You, it's a, it's, a, it's the largest airport in the United States. I mean, I've heard of the airport. Yeah. Okay, so Denver, Colorado. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. No, Denver, Iowa. <laughs> so it's the largest airport in the United States of America. Really? It's bigger than LAX. It's I thought the that one biggest was really big. one. It's like fifty-three square miles. It's huge. This okay. place is huge. Okay. Didn't see this coming, but all right. Well. There are a number of kind of really weird things about this airport. Mm -hmm. So it opened in like 1995. Okay. And I'll I'll get some exact dates before we're done. Yeah, I was. You were seven. Would have been seven, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it opened, yeah, it opened at the beginning of 1995 and it cost like four billion dollars to open this in 95 95 and it was two billion dollars over its original budget okay oh my god so that believe it or not is one of the things that kind of sparks the already no i was lead weagle did i say lead weagle (laughs) oh no oh no lead Uh, legal obviously it wasn't it was 95 saw it but i was just Uh, like where did they get the money colorado i can't speak to that there are there is something about that though um So yeah, it's the largest airport in the United States because 53 square square miles. So coverage wise, it's the largest. So there's some weird things about it that sparked some conspiracy theories. Okay. So we'll start with the runway. Okay. And there, so right out of the gate, let me tell you, there's a lot of symbolism and weird, just kind of weird shit in the Denver airport, just visually. Before we get into it, but the most notable thing is that the so there was an airport in Denver mm-hmm. at that time. I think it was Stan, Stanbury or something like this, Stapleton. And every there, there some conspiracy theorists are like it was fine. There was no need to put a new air, air you know, uh, airport in because the Stapleton was running fine. Was that one big? Was that it one was big? it was large? Yeah, I mean it's an older airport and they had a a, a bunch of problems with the weather affecting their runways. They didn't have they had like right. six they had like six runways. And they get tons of snow, and, so, and, they, and it would, it would, it was, it was killing their capacity to get train or planes in and out, not trains, trains. not trains. <laughs> That'd be, be a real, fucking that disaster. Been weird if they so were trains. the Denver airport runway system, from an aerial perspective, right, it looks like a swastika. What? A lot of people say that it looks like a swastika, right? From up in the air. <laughs> yeah, and but it's That's it's essentially nice. developed. It's like their way of, of getting a ton of traffic through the airport. It's a massive airport, so they want to get planes mm-hmm, moving mm-hmm, through it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of angles. The the, the uh, yeah, a lot of <laughs> angles. They say it, to them, they say it looks like a pinwheel. You know, like a little. Well, you know. So one of the other things about the Denver International Airport that I heard, and so there's no evidence of this, of course, right? There is rumor that one of the reasons that the budget was so high and over the mark. Because the KKK funded it. Nailed it. That's the end of the podcast, guys. Thanks so much. (laughs) No. uh, They apparently built some buildings 
mm-hmm. that were so like not up to whatever or anything that instead of demolishing them or taking them down, the powers that be, okay, the conspiracy side to this say mm-hmm. the buildings were buried. What? Yeah. They say the buildings were buried, and then like, there's and taken then taken the, down and buried, or literally buried over top of sky. Yeah, well, it's, it, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Get it. That's like demolished yeah. and then buried. No, definitely not demolished and then buried. Like How intact, bury buried. A uh, lot of dirt, bro. A like lot of dirt. Ca- All right. A lot of dirt, man. I think someone would notice that. Yeah, and so as I said, there's a lot of like weird symbolism inside the airport right Mm -hmm. there's these murals that are really kind of wild there's this giant like 30 foot tall horse blue horse statue outside of the airport uh, there's, there's a no t- reason for that no well there's there are they didn't just appear i mean it's not like it it was commissioned like why would that airport have a 30 foot tall horse well that's what we're talking about a blue horse that's what we're here to talk about yeah oh why tell me why i'm trying so these are, they were art installations. The Big Blue Horse was commissioned by this dude. And it wasn't going to be up until like, so the airport opened in 95. Mm-hmm. And he was still working on this piece. This artist was working on this piece until the early 2000s. So like wow. 2006, he's, eru- he's erecting this horse. And... A piece of a large piece so like of it. Eleven years later. Yeah. Well, it, we don't know. I don't know personally when it was commissioned. Like it could have been. It could have been before. You know, it could have been after. Yeah, it yeah, was just yeah. a large art installation he was doing for the airport. Uh-huh. And it was. It's this giant fucking blue horse with golden, like glowing eyes Do almost. You know what it's made out of. And these, I don't. Yeah. Hardy materials because I know it, it's obviously not like paper mache. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the dude's name, but it it killed him. The artist that was making it. A piece of it fell off and slashed an artery in his leg, uh, and he died. Like at the airport? Or no, where he done? was made, where before it was done, and then it was done. It was it was put uh, up in two thousand and eight. Uh, but it strikes a crazy image, and we'll put it on the website because it's a crazy. We'll probably should use it as one of the uh, blog post pictures because yeah. it is a crazy. It's got these weird so like I red guess- veins. A lot of the stuff represents peace and represents this and that based on the art like theme of the airport because you know there's always like weird art installations and airports and stuff for sure yeah yeah yeah. this is just a lot of well, that you know it's weird the, like you talking about a big horse made me think of in kentucky yeah we have like different horse statues all over different all from over different businesses that are all like if it's a dentist's office it's a the dentist horse looks horse like a, a big yeah. it has teeth everywhere yeah it's super cool. With the, like, they're, they're called something, but I can't They are, yeah. That. Some, yeah, I can't. But it's like, we're the unbridled spirit of no. Kentucky. They, if y'all know about Kentucky, we got good whiskey and fast horses, okay. We got the Kentucky Derby, and so they do this horse statues all over the place. Yeah. So I was thinking, like, what about Colorado would make them want to have a big blue horse? I can't, I'm sure, I might do a little follow-up about that. Like, yeah. I know there's a symbolism behind it, and he was, it a, made me think he of, was a great dude. Like, I've, I've, I'm, I'm troubled, I forgot his name, but... Um, it made me think of that, what is the... Uh, story where they all hi- they hide in the w- the wooden horse and then they go in the and- Trojan horse. Yeah, that yeah. It makes me think of that. For some yeah, reason. Uh, I saved a picture so after the podcast I'll show you because it's like yeah. wild. Yeah. Um, I mean everybody has covered this this conspiracy theory like Vice, Mental Floss, BuzzFeed. Everybody's kind of tapped into this because it's a large scale conspiracy because there's just a lot of weird stuff and a lot it of it, like it a lot of it stems from the symbolism and stuff around the airport. So another another idea of this is. On the floors, you know, as you walk, there's stuff on the floor, like, like signs, uh-huh. and they're they're 
uh, like a bunch of weird looking markings on the floor that some conspiracy theorists have believed to symbolize a new strain of a disease like hepatitis. What? And it's the biolog and it, it it'll be used in biological warfare. There's also a mural that we're going to get into. There's these two murals. And one of them, the dude is wearing he looks like a Nazi and he's wearing a gas mask. What? In the in the what airport. The fuck? Yeah. So all oh my these, God, we have to post but all really, these. I can't yeah, no, it's these. crazy. But really, what those symbols on the ground are are symbols from the Navajo language. That's what they're supposed to be. That's what they're. That's what they are. Yeah. From, per okay. per the airport, they're yeah. not a yeah. a new yeah. strain of hepatitis. Well, no. Oh we my hope. God. We hope, right? Jesus. Because there's also a theory that those underground buildings, right? There's also this thing that there's all these tunnels, and that the uh, what is it? The CDC. The Center for Control Disease Control has a bunch of like caskets and all this shit stored there in in preparation for a large scale right. cataclysm. Right. Not something we're gonna get into in this one, but I have heard that that they have like the government and things. It's the reason it's such a large installation is because underground. You know, like you would think about it in a, in a large fallout situation, where would you put people? And you know, think about yeah. it like that. There's huge there's underground. A, so yeah. Go. So, but yeah, they're from the Navajo language, and some are also pulled from the periodic table. These symbols. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. So now we're gonna talk about. It always comes down to this in conspiracy theories. Oh God. Theories. Don't tell me. Paris. Um, Lizard people. Yeah. No. Oh no. Okay. Great. There is this thing called the dedication marker, and that's you know when they fin. You know, it's kind of like at the ribbon cutting ceremony type thing Mm -hmm. they did the masons weren't the freemasons were involved and the freemasons have largely almost always been connected to the illuminati Mm -hmm. so the this there was a time capsule put in there in 94 that'll be opened in 2094 put it where in this uh this dedication marker this little thing they were doing when they when they were about to open the airport oh my god and they sealed it can i just tell you what this just made like my which made my, my brain think of tell me um, the Indiana Jones movie when he goes in the library and he takes the um little thing to block people off and he's like tune 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 and like yeah. opens up the the ground and that's where they go. That's this like is, all I can think of yeah, when you say this is that. exactly that. <laughs> so it'll be open in 2094, but the symbols on the markers it has the Mason symbol. 2094. 2094. I'll be a hundred and uh, old. Yeah, we'll both be hundred and dead. Uh, well, no, they'll just upload our brain into AI and we'll just, yeah, that's what what it'll be. So there's the symbols on the marker and, you know, it's essentially like a big plaque I was looking at earlier. It talks about what, who was involved, what happened. And the Freemasons is always an off-putting mark for a conspiracy theorist because it's a telltale sign of the Illuminati. Mm -hmm. The the kind of thought is, and it was kind of elaborated in Dan Brown's uh, Da Vinci Code, made really popular, that the Freemasons lead to the Illuminati. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. So when you see that, conspiracy theorists are popping off. Right. It's, it's the, the new world order, right? This oh, one's crazy, okay? Mm-hmm. This is maybe the most compelling piece to all of it, in my opinion. Okay. So the marker mentions the New World Airport Commission. Not New Comma World Airport Commission, but they're who's credited for building the airport. And where is this at? On the mark, on, on, the, the, mark. on the thing. On the, like capstone yeah. where the time yeah. where the time capsule is with the masonic symbol is this it says, like right when you walk in the airport or i can't speak to exactly where yeah. it is in the airport yeah um still it's there it's in, i'm sure yeah but it's there and it says new world airport commission 
not new comma world right, airport yeah new world airport the commission fuck? and that organization doesn't exist what the technically fuck? yeah apparently it did but it doesn't and so there's that what if this was actually all just an underground yeah. thing for them to grow marijuana before it was legal because they knew that They're, that's grew. that's just what it is <laughs> So the airport, as I said earlier, it, it has a bunch of tunnels. There's a tram system that runs people from different concords. It's a huge fucking yeah, airport. Yeah, well, there's plenty of airports. That, well, I mean, Cincinnati has right. a tram. But there was this, uh, they were trying to do an automated like baggage system. Kind of like, you know, you get your bags quicker thing. It what was do you huge. Mean? Different than like every other airport. That I think does it was baggage? maybe the way it is done now, but apparently back then the way they were trying to do it, it was like a new edgy. And maybe it's slightly different than this. Okay. It was a way they were trying yeah. to do it. Yeah, maybe you got like, a um, ticket and you scanned it and you found your bag or something. And it failed miserably. Mm. It failed the day one and then just continued to fuck up forever, causing well, them a you know ton why? of heartaches. Like, why? Uh, just it just says that it just was shitty. It was yeah. just a shitty system. Okay. So that's how they. So a lot of them, and they're, they're, they're in tunnels and stuff. These, this baggage system was like underground. Okay. And so that's how conspiracy theorists have said, that's just, they never planned to use those for baggage. That was just kind of the way they justified building these tunnels. Okay. Yeah. But where do the tunnels, where do they go? There are people that, where do they go? (laughs) Nobody knows. (laughs) Bam. Uh, (laughs) So they think that it's, it leads to the NWO. The New World Order, the Illuminati's like hideout. Wow. Of course, um, because they're saying they're prep- they're preparing for an end, you know, like a an apocalyptic scenario, right. and they're they're gonna hold up there. Um, Damn. Yeah. So the whole thing is there was apparently they five were all buildings just planning for Y two K, and then it didn't. It happen. just didn't. Well, shit. There goes four billion boys. <laughs> You guys want to hang out here, gentlemen's club? Let's wait for the rap, sure. Yeah, well, <laughs> next time we can try again in 2012. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there were five buildings that were originally built, uh, supposedly. And instead of being blown up or otherwise dismantled, they were buried. Although theorists say that a construction worker ultimately blew the whistle on this very weird practice, but finding his original testimony is impossible. So he's saying that this happened. This dude is why this conspiracy theory exists. Mm-hmm. But you can't. You can never find it. Um, right, because a, a, with a lot of things with conspiracies, it's like you can't find it because they were like murked or like shunned yeah. or whatever or scared into hiding to not talk or it didn't happen. That's the only thing that would make conspiracy theories like ironclad. It's always the thing that like, yeah. if this were there, this shit would be uh-huh. real. Yeah. It's always like he said, she said sort of deal. Yeah. So going back to that horse, mm-hmm. the blue Mustang is what it's called. It's yeah. 32 feet and weighs 9,000 pounds. Jesus Christ. Is it's it... made out of fiberglass. Oh. Sorry, I pulled up a little dude here because you were asking the questions. Well, I was questions. wondering because I'm like, what, yeah. what fell on him that killed him? It obviously wasn't like fucking paper mache. Yeah, it, the... Oh my God. The, the piece of the horse's head fell and slashed <gasps> his slashed like a, one of those real gnarly arteries in his leg and he, he died. Um, and then oh, there's... Gosh. So then there's the murals, which is kind of... This is kind of wrap us up for... Okay. Uh, it, for the big stuff. Okay. Uh, there is also, I did find a creepypasta about a worker in the Denver airport, but I figured since I did that last week, I was, I'll maybe save, save it for it. another time. Yeah. yeah. So, and I'll probably butcher the pronunciation of this dude's name, but, uh, and also just to say the guy who made the blue Mustang who died, his name was Luis Imenez or yeah, it's Imenez. 
Sure. And then, so then there's the murals, and the murals have sparked a shitload of debate. Uh huh. Okay. Uh huh. So this dude's name is Leo Tangama, Tanguma. Sorry. And they take up huge areas in the baggage claim, right? They're like the the these two murals yeah. take up a lot of the baggage uh-huh. claim there. Yeah. And one of them's called "Children of the World Dream of Peace," and the other one is called "In Peace and Harmony with Nature." Okay. Do they so actually have those titles on there? Those or? are the those are just the official yeah, names okay. of the. I don't yeah. know. I can't speak to that. All right. But the, the what's in them is fucking crazy. So this is where a lot of the like symbolism stuff comes in because there's a dude looking like a Nazi, um, stalking kids with guns. What? Uh, there's animals dead what underneath the, f- the like, and people are, are observing them in glass like it's a museum. Why the fuck would that be yeah. in an airport? Right. No. There's a bunch of it. There's a bunch no, of weird stuff. Not. Yeah. And as I said, these and there's like a dove and there's these dudes killing. It's just it's crazy. Ew. The images are crazy. Yeah. And so that's one of the compelling things because they say that it's the New World Order's plot that we're either destroying the planet or we're gonna Ugh. or it's like a sequential thing. There's a lot of theories about these pictures, but I don't like it. they were all done. The artist from the artist's perspective from his own mouth. He had been to war-torn areas. He had seen the kind of turmoil and said, like, so, yeah, kids do live in a world of war, but they have this dream of peace. And that's what he was trying to show no. in his, yeah. No, They are gnarly. No, absolutely yeah. not. That is, you don't, no. Yeah. No, A, if you want to do that, do that. B, don't put it in a fucking airport. Yeah. Where well, everybody all the- from all over is traveling and kids are there. Yeah, the art no. is really well. There's no like explicit violence. It's like it's kind of it's kind of. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's it's you have to be paying attention to it if that makes sense. All right, well, except I... for the big Nazi with the gun and the gas mask. That was that shit's crazy. I mean, there's also gargoyles positioned throughout. How do we know the... he's a Nazi? Does he have a? He doesn't. He just looks like a Nazi. Oh. He looks like a bad guy. He's obviously a bad guy. The way they, this guy's painted. I mean, he's carrying a submachine gun with well, yeah, gas well, mask and oh yeah, yeah, okay, and dark gray uniform. The fuck? Yeah, there's gargoyles positioned throughout the... I don't ever want to fly in or out of there. It's a wild ever. place. And there are, there are more, like... I feel like, that's like, like fringe the airport conspiracy. that you've... Went, the, like, the show Lost, you fly out of there and you're and then never you just, coming back. Yeah, you're never coming back. You're going to a weird island. I'll go. Never if that's okay. I'm trying to go to that island. That island's badass. We talked no, about it last night. We're not doing yeah. that. Shit. But yeah, so that's kind of a primer on the Denver International Airport. No. And I will we'll upload a buttload of pictures and stuff for this on our social media and on our website because you kind of have to see some of this stuff to understand how like what the fuck is this is an airport? Like what the Wait, hell? That's what's so wild to me that it's like such a big public It's the largest airport in the United States area-wise. So, and it's a you know. Freaking it. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're good, baby. She got and them it's a burps. Freaking airport. Yeah. That's what you're supposed to feel. We're supposed and, to be promoting safety and, and potentially a fallout for the Illuminati. You know, seeming no. headquarters for their operations. Yeah. Uh, based on, and you know, I I like to pepper in stuff about the Illuminati because you can't. If we had a podcast just covering the Illuminati, every conspiracy theory inevitably seems oh to God, go back yeah. to this, you know, one world. Right. But the fact that on that caps that that stone yeah. is the Masonic symbol with the G in it, and the, it's I think it's I can't recall. I think it's the Masonic cross. I don't know, but underneath it it says New World Order. Like that, like the thing. Like yeah, the, with the, the G inside. Yeah. yeah. yeah and Masonic. no disrespect to Masons or anything. It's just all conspiracy theories. They kind of lean on the fact that they think the Masonic. I know 
still it's so weird old, to me. It's an old fraternity. It yeah. 100% exists. It's been shrouded in mystery. It's secret. Yeah. You got to be in it to know stuff about it. So it's obviously going to breed, you know, a little bit of conversation about what are they really up to. And, you know, a lot of Washington, D.C. is laid out in with Masonic symbolism and stuff. And so there's a lot of groundwork for conspiracies. There also are, you know, raise a ton of funds for people that need it and do totally. a lot of full, like philanthropic stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. yeah. So definitely no disrespect uh, to the Freemasons. Oh, but, no, uh, definitely not. We've... I think y'all are the Illuminati, though. No. Uh, <laughs> they're not. No. Yeah, but, my... Whoa. My my granddad's I always my feel like the, Illuminati. The, <laughs> He's the, a Mason. My granddad is. I always feel like the Ma- Mason Mason Masonic mm-hmm. symbol, like the thing with the. I always feel like it looks like a protractor. <laughs> I think it is, dude. It is. What? Yeah. Why would it be a protractor? Because they they're Masons. They're stone Masons. Oh my god! It actually. Yeah, it's, okay, it, they come really from being stone now. Masons. That's where the whole thing comes from. So yeah, that's a little bit about the. Uh, that is wild. I think it's really cool. I never it's... would have thought that there would be a conspiracy theory or even anything tied to. I want to go airport. just to take. I just want to go to see it. You know. I don't. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't. Yeah. I thought we might get sucked down in the. Well, seemingly basement. a shitload of people pass through it all the time. So. Mm-hmm. But we know. We've talked about it. And on then a podcast. they're gonna know, they know. The man knows. They know. Yeah, behold a pale horse. So we can't go. We can you know never go. Yeah. No, it's a blue horse. They also call it's that a blue horse. They, well, a pale horse. Uh, oh, blue. they also it was yeah. A blue horse. Yeah. Get but it. That, the, do you get it? Blue horse. <laughs> oh, I think we were both like eh, <laughs> eh. Uh, but they also call that horse Brucifer, like Lucifer. Lucifer. It, it might have been Lucifer. Yeah, it was Lucifer. Nail it. Good job, babe. <laughs> uh, no. No, yeah, they do. They call it Blucifer. Really? Yeah. It's like it's a nickname. Yeah. I made that up. But yeah, let me get a slurp and then uh, we'll move along. Y'all? That was good. Yeah, thanks. Good job, babe. High fives. High fives. Ka-chow. Ka-chow. So. So. Are you ready for mine? We shall see. Are you ready to drink your wine and know something, learn something? I'm definitely. John Snow, you stop eating this blanket right quick. I have a blanket on me. He's trying to eat it. Okay. So my story kind of has twists and turns and ups and downs and it's a sort of like wild. a like a roller coaster. It's a little bit wild. So I'm not really gonna give you. I'm just gonna dive in. I'm I'm not gonna give you like. Let's the, yeah. get it. So we're gonna start with Susan Cox Powell. Okay. So Susan Cox married Joshua Powell at the Portland, Oregon Temple of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints in April 2001. Okay. They relocated. To West Valley City, Utah. So, so are they are they more? Does that make them Mormon? Latter Day Saints? Doesn't that make them Mormon? I don't fucking know. It's in Salt Lake City, Utah, so I'd assume. Yeah, everybody's. So they re- relocated to West Valley City, Utah, a suburb of Salt Lake City, in two thousand four. Okay. Josh had a bachelor's degree in business and worked for a number of different companies over the years. While Susan, a trained cosmetologist. Took up a job with Wells Fargo Financial after the family's relocation. Okay. Boom. Drop the page. Andrew keeps it raw analog, bro. Stop it. So the morning of December 6, 2009, Susan, 28 years old, and her two sons, Charles, who was four, and Brayden, who was two, attended church service at the Hunter 36th Ward Church, whatever the fuck. Okay? Okay. So the family... Walks home from church, and a friend of the family, Joanna Owings, drops by to hang out, make a visit, you know, 
Susan's husband, Josh, makes a dinner of pancakes and eggs. And Susan had dinner with her neighbor. Okay. While Josh had dinner with the boys, you know, I guess in the kitchen or whatever. And he came in and out for small talk or whatever. But, the you know, the two girls were in there eating. He made it for them. Great. Whatever. At about 5 p.m., Susan said that she was tired and that she wanted to lay down. And so the neighbor, Joanna, leaves, and so does Josh, saying that he's going to take the boy sledding. Okay. This is winter. At about 8.30 p.m., Josh returns home. She's sleeping, and then he apparently decides that he's going to take the kids out camping. And from that moment on... All hell brace breaks loose. All hair, all hell braces itself. That's a new. That's from a, that moment on, we have missing people, and I'm just gonna pick up from there. I know I'm not giving you any detail because I'm gonna give you a lot more. Okay. I just have to pick up from there. Okay. Does that make, I know that doesn't. I'm it, with it. It doesn't make sense because it's not going to, and it may not even. He end. comes home. She's snoozing, and he's like, "You know what? Fuck it. Sledding was so great. We're gonna go sleep out in the cold. We're, We're gonna, gonna go camping. I'm gonna go take the kids camping. She needs some rest. And we'll Mama more, needs some and rest. And we'll get more into that. Okay. Okay. So picking up from a normal family, everything seems great. We've got two kids. We've got a wife. We've got a husband. He's making her dinner. They're gonna go out. They're gonna go camping. Sure. Whatever. Next day. Everybody's fucking missing. Everybody's missing. Wife too. So the entire Powell family was reported missing on December 7th by relatives. Josh's mother, Terica, I mean, T-E-R-I-C-A, Terica, and sister Jennifer uh, went looking for the family at their house shortly after being informed that the children had not been dropped off at daycare that morning. Okay. So the first red alert, red alert, red alert, red alert, red alert, that's red alert. So Star Trek, red alert. So the first, you know, sign of trouble was like, well, why the kid's not there? And then they can't get a hold of mom or dad. What's going on? Right. So they called the police, and when they failed to make contact with Josh and Susan, the police broke into the house, fearing that they might have been victims of carbon monoxide poisoning. Sure. Because they're, you know, just like a normal family. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. You know, it's this weird. There's a leak, and somebody's dead. They found no one inside, but noticed two fans blowing on a wet spot on a carpet in the house. Two, like... Fans on the floor, mm-hmm. like those industrial wet. ones, you know, or I don't or just know. a fucking I mean, just fans. yeah, just, just your a fucking common fan. house fan. I'm right. assuming. Okay, blowing on two wet spots on the carpet. Okay. Susan did not show up at her job on December seventh. Her purse, cell phone, and car were all found at the house. So she didn't have shit with her. But as far as we know, at this point, everybody's gone. We don't know where the kids are. We don't know where the husband is, and we don't know where at she this is. point. Mm-hmm. So Josh's sister is, you know, calling him and calling and calling him. And she finally gets a hold of him. And he's like, what? What are you talking about? I don't know why you would think we were missing. We went camping. We, we, oh. got, we got stuck in a, in a crazy storm, in a crazy snowstorm. Why do you think we're missing? What are you talking about? And she's just like, we, we, we haven't been able to get a hold of any of you guys. You didn't take the kids to daycare. You didn't show up for work. Your wife didn't show up to work. Where are you guys? And he's like. Susan's not with me. Also, why would you think we were missing? And he says, quote, to his sister, what else do you know? What else do you know? What else do you know? Well, he's guilty of some shit. He at least put those fans on the floor, man. So later that day, after we're talking, the kids didn't show for daycare. Everybody's looking for them. His sister finally gets a hold of him. We're at five o'clock. Sure. Okay, the next day. Uh, Josh returns home with both of the boys. 
and was taken into the police station for questioning. Obviously. Obviously. He claimed that he left Susan sleeping at home shortly after midnight on December 7th and had taken the boys out on a camping trip to Simpson Springs in western Utah. At midnight, he trying to take his little babies camping. How old are these kids again? Um, They're they babies. Are, They're young. Um, five and two? And you taking them at midnight on a camping trip? They're babies, though. They're little, little babies. Oh, four and two. They're four and two. And he took them on a fucking babies. camping trip at midnight in the winter? He's saying that he's taking them out on a camping trip at midnight. In the winter. And there was a blizzard that night. Oh, okay? yeah, because they got stuck in a storm. Mm-hmm. 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 So. That's a pretty, that's kind of a weird alibi, bro. you know, he's telling the police, I don't know. I have no idea where she could have gone. I don't know. I took the boys out for this camping trip at midnight on a Sunday. Red flags all when over. And they both, and he had to be at work the next day. He had to be at work the next day. The kids had, to, I'm sure they now, had to be at school. The is next this something day. that he did? Has he done this before? They would regularly go, well, I don't want to say regularly. There were a lot of times when they went out looking for rocks and things of the sort. At midnight? Which I will get more into. Okay. But. No. I'm just saying, bro. No. You're taking a you're taking a couple of toddlers to the fucking wilderness at midnight in the winter? When they're predicting a blizzard. Oh, so he knew the weather was coming. I mean, who doesn't know that there's shit. You, I mean, I would say that I'd check the weather only when I'm like I mean it's everything's already kinda weird, right? Right, yeah, that's fucking curious. So Susan is missing. Right? Okay. The boys and, and John they're and Josh are, for. are safe. Whatever. Where's Susan? Where the fuck is and Susan? he just says, you know, he wouldn't think she would ever leave on her own. And he doesn't know what would happen. He doesn't know why she would ever leave. Like, this doesn't make sense. I don't know. You know, that's, he's just telling, you know, he's being obviously being interviewed by the media a lot. And they're all being, he's, he's just always being like, we miss her. We, I, I, you know, I just keep telling the boys that we don't know where she is. We don't know. So in another, at one point in the inter, the um, police interrogation, they kind of allude to the fact that maybe like, yo, Josh, you You're do not understand yeah. that maybe you might be um, a suspect. A suspect. And he's just like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what would happen to her. I don't know. And they're like, you don't know. And he's like, I just need to think about it for a few days. I just need to think about it. Yeah, and there's a one of the officers is like, your yeah. wife is missing, and you need to think about it for a few days. Yeah, and he's just like, yeah, I don't know, because I don't know where she would be. I, I need, I don't know. Almost like he doesn't want to incriminate himself, but he also doesn't like know what to say. Who knows, right? It's yeah, that's the thing. It could be that social, you know, strange social awareness, or I need, to, I need, to, I need to think for a few more days. So her body is completely decomposed in the fucking barrel of acid that I buried in our backyard. Okay, well, no, that didn't happen, but okay. It could have. But also, at one point, I guess the kids were interviewed, and they, the kids were saying, Mommy went with us. Mommy went with us for this midnight fucking blizzard oh, camping trip. Oh, okay? shit. Right? But, you know, how, how reliable is a two-year-old and a four-year-old? I'm just playing objective. There's a lot of this that is interesting to me. Well. Oh, it's five. Two and five. Think about, so my nephew Severin is four. Yeah. He could tell you He certainly could. Yeah. And we're talking a five-year-old. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying, but why, you know, they know mommy. They know who mommy is. 
they know enough to be like, so could you tell us what happened? Yeah. Me and mommy and daddy went out. You know, so, okay, there's that. Sure, sure, yeah. So there's no evidence against Josh, so. They got nothing on him. He's not held, whatever. Okay, so at this point, police are starting to lose their patience because they've interviewed Josh many times. They don't have any, like, solid evidence against him, but it obviously seems super fishy. Why, what the fuck's going on? Why are you taking yeah. your out at midnight on a I'm, Sunday to I'm go surprised camping this isn't in a like blizzard? A... This is weird. Yeah, I'm, sure, right? I'm surprised this isn't a movie yet. Like, this is crazy. Well, just wait. Oh, oh okay. Oh, you don't even know. Yeah. As police start to lose patience, and they are like, he's not, Josh is not being cooperative. He's being un- uncooperative. And whenever Josh is interviewed, he's like, I'm doing everything I can. I'm giving the police everything I can. I'm telling them everything they need to know. And then on the flip side, the police are like, we're not getting a lot from him. He's starting to be very uncooperative. And then eventually he just stops talking to everyone. And he just kind of ghosts, right? He's like, doesn't. I, I feel like it rarely works out in your favor if you ghost on the police. Well, he just feels like he doesn't want the police to start to talk to his kids anymore because he thinks that the police are uh, trying to make his son say things. They're trying to make Force the kids say, can, yeah. mommy came. This ha-, And he's like, no, they're little. These are my kids. I'm going to keep caring for them. No, you know. And so he just starts to just not talk to anybody. And then he eventually just doesn't cut. Not only does he cut off the police, he cuts off Susan's family. Oh, so good then he's move, not bro. even talking to his in-laws. That's anymore, not going to stir right? any suspicion. So two weeks after her, she was missing. There was a Susan was mi- missing. There was a candlelight vigil that was held by her family. This sounds just like Gone Girl. <laughs> oh yeah, it's not though. So they had this candlelight vigil, and they didn't even know if he was going to show up because he's cut off. You know. Yeah. Communication with them. He's cut off communication with the police, and lo and behold, he shows up with one of his sons, not both. But one of the sons and shows up, obviously doesn't talk to anybody and but shows face comes. Obviously, it's a candlelight okay, vigil yeah, for yeah, his yeah. missing wife. Sure. Comes, he shows face. Wait, thanks for showing. Kid. Thanks for showing, Whatever. guy. We appreciate you. At a certain point, the police were like, can you please take us out to the campsite to where you were camping that night? And he refuses. He won't take him out to the campsite. Why? Uh, we don't know, but. He just refuses. He thinks that it's going to. I think he just thinks it's going to incriminate himself more. Or I don't know, yeah. whatever. He's just like, no, I'm going to focus on my kids, you guys. In his, I guess, in his defense, which I'm not on his side at all, but I just think he's like, you guys are just trying to make me look like the bad guy. You're trying to make my kids say stuff. I'm not going to talk to you guys anymore. I'm not going to take you out there. No. You know? Right. So. So. Then a friend of Susan's, uh, which is also like a family friend that went to the same church as them. His name's Tim Peterson. He says It's that, a Peterson? Yeah, this guy's He did it. No. He did no, it. No, this guy's a friend. This is a family so friend. So we think. He said that Susan told him of their turbulent marriage and that if things hadn't changed come springtime, that she was going to ask for a divorce. Oh. So we're starting to get a little bit of other people telling us some stuff, you know? Susan also had... Emails to her friends indicating the presence of marital discord. Friends attributed these problems both to financial stress. Threats? Threats? <laughs> Sometimes I get real threats out. <laughs> friends attributed these problems both to financial stress brought upon by Josh's extravagant spending habits 
and to his very, very controlling behaviors towards Susan. Oh, great. Josh filed bankruptcy in 2007, declaring over $200,000 in debts. Ooh! And by 2008, Susan was... Obviously, she was expressing her fears and her issues with her marriage that on the surface, you know, didn't really seem to be there, but she was talking to friends and family. Yeah. And it went way deeper than that, actually. Oh, how deep... How deep did it? So the evening of Friday, June 27th, 2008, Susan and her husband had gone through the worst argument of their marriage. So she documented her fears and this argument and had been doing so for a while. She said the fight had rocked her so deeply she felt it important to record it play by play as evidence. Damn. She recounted a shouting match over the two primary sources of friction in her marriage being faith and finances. She said Josh wants her to buy food at prices that don't exist anymore. And she said that their marriage would be fixed if Susan fixed food for him and he had good food in his stomach. Wait, she said he was saying that they could fix their marriage if he was full and she cooked food right that was one of the things right so she had reached out to her friend this is it gets a little weird because she reached out to her friend kiersey hellwell and asked her to document an argument that she had had with her husband so what i'm reading is this her friend's documentation of it because she was just like scared right so that's when i said josh wants her to buy food at prices that don't exist anymore and said that her marriage would be fixed if susan fixed food for him And he had good food in his stomach. He had reportedly told his wife that the economy was so bad, they'd probably have to leave the country. And Josh said that the reason he is so mean to Susan and hurtful, and the reason the marriage is broken is because of the Republicans and the economy and environment. Man, I mean, I'm pissed off about the climate too, but I'm not over here telling you to cook me meals. And we're also talking... What, how many years ago? This is 2008. Uh, 10 years. Susan had told her husband that she wanted control of her own income in large part so that she could pay money to the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And he responded by calling his wife a religious fanatic. He said, if you pay the church when you're not supposed to, you're going to hell. Sure. Yeah. That makes sense, right? Don't give us, don't give us your money. You got to go to heaven. So... Shannon had asked her friend to type up all these notes that she was telling her about all these things that were, you know, making her frightened and print a copy so that she could take the document to work. She intended to keep the deposition where her husband wouldn't be able to access it. So she wanted to have it at work because she knew her husband wouldn't be able to find it. Okay. But she was obviously starting to document these scary situations or things that made her uncomfortable, right? Right. So she also says, I bike to work daily and I've been having extreme marital stress for about three or four years now. Damn. She said, for mine and my children's safety, I feel the need to have a paper trail at work, which would not be accessible to my husband. I mean. So she's very stressed out. Yeah. Very stressed out. This dude doesn't have a lot going for him on his on his side right now. You know what I'm saying? She also wrote about the million-dollar life insurance policy in her name mm-hmm. and about threatening comments her husband had made when discussing a, di- a possible divorce. She says, 
quote, if I die, it may not be an accident, even if it looks like one. Take care of my boys. She had this Damn. literally written down. By a third party. Mm-hmm. Wow. She also had, I don't know. So that's a mix because she also had her own personal journals. And she also, sure. there's like video of her walking around the house being like, in case we're ever robbed, we have this big screen TV. We have this and that and blah, blah, blah. But also her. Because she this, knew he was like plotting something. I don't know. But not even that. Like maybe to show like, oh, I'm not doing this because I'm scared of you. I'm showing it in case there was a fire or something. Maybe she was documenting like recording what was in the house. But then also had all these documents uh-huh. that she put away at work and stuff. You know? Yeah. So June 28, 2008, roughly a year and a half prior to her disappearance, she placed these documents in a safe deposit box to which she alone controlled access, and it was not recovered until there was a subpoena December 15, 2009. So it sat there for a little while. She signed the document and wrote the words, quote, last will and testament for Susan. In the top margin... She folded the paper, wrapped in a second sheet, and tossed it with, and closed it with staples. And on the outer face of the sheet, she added, quote, for family friends of Susan, all except for Josh Powell's husband, I don't trust him. Well, if that doesn't paint a sort of incriminating hello. picture. Hello. She obtained a safe deposit box. We just box. call this episode just like, blare, like just glaring red flags. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Oh, will you just keep turning around there and give me just a little... I can even hold it if you just twist the spigot. I'm Look at this. I'm getting to it. I'm trying to remember. This is podcast evidence that Andrea and I have a great relationship. She is pouring my wine as I hold the mug. So I'm holding it for you. I'm holding it. Oh, nice. Okay. Let it out. Oh, sorry. Keep that in, actually. I'm second thought there. So, I, I'm so burpy. You're very burpy. So Susan obtained a safe deposit box at Wells Fargo Bank branch near her work on August 7th, 2008. She moved the last will and testament there along with the U.S. savings bonds and various legal documents that might prove useful if she were ever to flee her home with her sons. She also told co- co-workers. Co-workers. She also told. She told them co-workers. <laughs> she also told co-workers she kept a personal journal at work where her husband couldn't access it. She said, if something ever happens to me, make sure they look at Josh. Co-worker Linda Goddamn. said. She had some severe fears then. I said, what do you mean? Was he, what do you mean? Has he threatened you? And she said, no, it's just the way he talked. The fuck? I mean, she believed it so adamantly, though. I mean, she was keeping journals, private safety deposit boxes. So within all... I always wanted one of those because I thought it would make me feel like a secret agent. (laughs) Honest to God, I I would... Well, we'll, we'll, hopefully we'll get enough followers. We'll have a P.O. box. Guys, don't send it to our house, you creepies. We never get our... No. Ooh, Ooh, you a little throat gurgle there. So amongst all of this, I know I'm giving you a lot because this is just a very intense... All over the place. I know it is. And it's just I feel like it's him, clearly. Who, we don't know. We don't know. Yet. Right. So, there was also a story that started to surface amongst all of this that the kids were saying, you know, that mommy came with us. I know I mentioned that before, that 
no, you know, I guess when the kids were being interviewed, that mommy came with us and that she was in the trunk of the van. Oh. And daddy took mommy out to look for crystals and daddy came back, but mommy did not. So that was something that I guess one of the littlest, the maybe the five-year-old said. Poor baby. Right? Yeah. But there's obviously, there's still no proof. We have no evidence. Mom and daddy went to look for crystals and mommy didn't come back. I mean, the fuck. Oh my God. So sad. Poor little babies. So as I said earlier, he kind of, Josh cut himself off from talking to police, her family, sure. everybody. Yeah. He decided to go to Washington, I guess a couple of months after her death, to spend the holidays with his dad. And he took his fucking kids, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. He still at this point has custody of the kids. He went to Washington to spend time with his dad. Okay. And spend the holidays, whatever. He's not actively searching for her. There's so many people in the community out searching for her. He's not a part of it. He's not out looking for her. He's not talking to anybody now. And he's cut himself off from her family. Great. Yeah. Great stuff. And yeah. now he's taking his kids and going to a different state for the holidays. Then he ends up, you know, missing work for weeks. Josh has missed work for weeks. And ends up just moving in. Just ends up moving in with his dad in Washington. Right. So he... He's abandoned he's his like, job. like, I can't pay for that house anymore. I don't make enough money. So he just abandons it? And leaves the house and goes and moves in with his dad in Washington. Where, you know, if his wife was to ever come back, you know, whatever. Like, she wouldn't she, know where oh, he was. Yeah. Oh, okay. Whatever. So he's not talking to anybody. He's cut off. He's moved in with his dad. In Washington, right? So then they, his dad and him, after a little while, come out and they start doing these press conferences that are very different than a morning husband or what they should be doing. Okay. And they come out and say that they're sure she's still alive and they think that she's just run off with somebody else. So he went from morning dad to not talking to she ran off with somebody else. And he's moved away. He's living with his dad now. She and there's all him. these marital problems. On her side. Yeah, that That's he's not necessarily saying. aware of. Oh, well, he's sure aware he's of the aware problems, of yeah. but he's not aware of her yeah. evidence, right? He doesn't know about her, like, evidence, right? He doesn't know about the letter or her journal or... No, I think, know about I any think that for yet, the right? most part, she kept a lot of that at her work. That's why she didn't keep the diaries and stuff at home because yeah. she didn't want him to find them. Right. So... Okay. But I just mean on the surface, he went from loving husband who doesn't know where his wife is to not helping them search for her to not talking to the police anymore, not talking to her family anymore, which would be your in-laws, you know, yeah. somebody that you would very much want to mourn with that's their child to I'm moving away and leaving the house behind. Goodbye. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay, so just to kind of dive into the investigation a little bit more, or a little bit. I don't know if I ever even really touched on it yet, because this is still fucking all over the place. Yeah, we're just getting there, I think. Upon searching Susan and Josh's residence on December 9th, investigators found traces of Susan's blood on the floor. Life insurance policies on Susan for $1.5 million, and a handwritten letter from Susan expressing fear for her life. DNA test results released in... 2013 matched one blood sample with Susan with another sample, but that was determined to have come from an quote, unknown male contributor. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. In August 2012, West Valley City Police released documents showing that Josh took actions that were 
regarded as highly suspicious following her disappearance. He, quote, did not appear to be concerned about Susan's welfare. And when first questioned by police, he liquidated her retirement accounts, canceled her regularly scheduled chiropractic sessions, withdrew his children from daycare, and spoke to coworkers about how to hide a body in an abandoned mine shaft in the western Utah desert. Stop it. So there's that. There's all that. That's all fun. That's all so great. This dude is so guilty. Police. Like, there's no, I mean, what the fuck? Right? Just wait. Police interviewed the family's eldest son, Charlie, who confirmed that the camping trip Joss described took place. However, unlike his father, he stated that Susan had gone with them and did not return. As I had said earlier, Charlie had said, you know, one of the kids had said, that thing about mommy in the trunk. Whatever. Yeah, they went to get crystals. And then weeks after her disappearance, a teacher reported that Charlie had claimed that his mother was dead. So that's like, what the fuck? Furthermore, Susan's parents claimed that while at day Carol's... Day Carol. <laughs> day Carol. <laughs> Susan's parents claimed that while at daycare several months after the disappearance of Susan, Brayden drew a picture. Wait for it of a van with three people in it and told his carers that, quote, mommy was in the trunk. And that's the little one. That's the little one. Damn. And he drew a picture of that. Put this dude in prison. He did it. You're kidding me. He's got a twin brother we don't know about. That's And he's just a murderer. That's the only possible oh, wait, solution. Dude, wait. That's what I'm trying to like, get through. Oh, my there's, gosh. Oh, my God. Okay. So all of this has happened, right? right? She's got, he's done this, he's moved, we, the kids have said this, but there's still no evidence, blah de blah blah So a little while after her disappearance, the website susanpal.org was, was established, described as, quote, the official website of Susan Powell. The site's anonymous entries defended Josh as the victim of a smear campaign by her family, and his sister Jennifer and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, okay. Yep. There were posts that speculated that Susan's disappearance was connected to that of Stephen Kosher, K-O-E-C-H-E-R. Okay. A Salt Lake Tribune journalist who vanished the same week as Susan and that the two had run off to Brazil together. Okay. So this is some Scientology shit right here. Mm-mm. No, not it's like, no, it's not. It's, it's like some psycho people. No, no. I know I said anonymous, but the people who did this website uh -huh. was Josh and his dad. Oh, uh, dinguses. Her husband and yeah. In late 2010, Josh and his dad claimed that Susan had abandoned the family due to mental illness, and then she had left with another man. And Susan's family rejected these claims as being unsupported by evidence. Sure. Right. So. Investigators' scrutiny extended to Josh's father, Stephen Powell, upon learning that he had been obsessively infatuated with Susan, his son's wife. Great. Computer images seized from his dad, Josh's dad's home, Stephen's home. Oh, no. In 2010, turned up 4,500 images of Susan taken without her knowledge. 4,500 pictures? Including close-ups of specific body parts. Oh, dude. One of her friends asserted that 
Her move to Utah was motivated by a desire to avoid Stephen's advances. Stephen is Josh's dad. Oh, no. Which included love songs posted online under a pseudonym to her, right? Under a pseudonym. Oh, my God. And after her disappearance, the friend reported Stephen's apparent obsession with, with Susan to the police like was increased you know he was just like uh well you know whatever okay now there's these allegations that josh's dad and his wife susan and her had this sexual relationship and there are interviews where his dad josh's dad is like yeah she came you know at me we blah 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 and he openly admits to the fact that like there was this weird thing Okay. Which I don't even know. I don't. That's hard to. That's hard to put in a box. That's weird. Right. It's so gross. Yeah, it's fucked up. And they. He really trying to be like she was very sexual and like whenever she would pass the baby to me, she would like brush her you know breasts up against against me or this and that. Whatever. I'm not even gonna get into it because it's sleaze. Probably all fucking bullshit. Sleaze ball. So after a police raid in. Uh, Josh and Stevens' home in 2011, they went out to news outlets regarding journals that Susan had allegedly written about the relationship between Stephen and her. So about her father-in-law and her, right? Stephen claimed that he and Susan had been falling in love prior to her disappearance. That's his... Dude's dad. Yeah, her father-in-law. And dude's in on it with him with these things? He cited that... They're like united in this? I don't know. I don't know about how... Josh feels about it, but this is what his dad is saying, right? And he cited that the contents of the journals, in parentheses, written when Susan was a teenager, as evidence to support his theory that she was mentally unstable and could have run away with another man. So he's trying to say, like, look, she was into me and I'm her father-in-law and she was writing about it. Here they are, blah, blah, blah. And they wanted to post it on this website, susanpal.org. They were just posting to try to totally slander her as like this slut, not a good mom, obviously ran off, right? Sorry. The judge was like, no, you can't fucking post that shit and order them to either return or destroy any journals already published. So the judge was like, get the fuck out. No, that's not okay. She's missing. She may or may not be dead. She's probably dead at this point years later. So on September 22nd, we have an arrest. Okay. A development. Who do you think it is? I, if it's not her fucking husband. It's not. It's Steven. It's Steven. But he wasn't arrested for... Anything? Uh, what was Susan's it? Susan's murder. He was arrested on charges of voyeurism and child pornography after police found evidence that he had secretly videotaped numerous women and young girls, including Susan. What were they doing? Well, I'm not going to get it all that. Well, how did he... You got it. What, what the fuck? Well, a friend of Steven claimed that he was preoccupied with pornography and quote was hung up on susan sexually her child porn and voyeurism which is in a household where josh and his two boys are living yeah it's very unsafe yeah and there's all these pictures including all these pictures of susan that were obviously taken without her knowledge so after that susan's father filed for custody of the of her children uh that was the day after steven was arrested and a Washington court eventually granted him temporary custody of the boys. The court ruled that Josh would have to move out of his father's home if he wanted to regain custody. So he rented a home in 
Graham Washington. Okay. However, authorities later alleged that he actually never moved out of his father's house, merely making it appear that he had satisfied the court's instructions while continuing to reside in his dad's home. In late September 2011, Josh's sister, Jennifer, stated that she believed Josh was, quote, responsible for his wife, Susan Powell's disappearance. When your own fucking fam says you did it, dog, you fucking did it. Yeah. At this point, West Valley City had spent more than half a million dollars on this case. And so, to our knowledge, is his dad in prison at this point? So his, that poor sister, her dad is fucking maniac. She believes her brother to be a fucking maniac. He probably is a fucking maniac. Based on all this stuff, just on the evi- just on the it circumstantial gets, stuff, is just crazy. It just totally doesn't get any better, though. I'm just preparing you. I'm sorry. I'm trying to get through no, it. No, let's get I to it. I knew this was going to be like a long one, but I don't know. When I was, I had listened to a couple other podcasts about it and did so much research about it, and it just was like, what the fucking fuck? Yeah. And all of the, just the lack of, uh, no, I can't even say anything. We'll get to, we'll get to it. <laughs> in late 2011, Josh underwent a series of court-ordered evaluations in Washington. While the evaluations by James Manley determined that Josh had adequate... Manley? His name is James Manley. My bad. It's the guy who was evaluating him. Sure, sure. That he had adequate parenting skills, a steady employment history... And no criminal record or history of domestic violence. They also raised issues concerning the ongoing criminal investigations. Josh's failure to admit normal personal shortcomings, his overbearing behavior with his sons, and his persistent defensiveness and paranoia attributed to the police and media attention in conjunction with underlying narcissistic traits. The initial recommendation was that Josh have visitation with his sons several times a week supervised by a social worker. So basically they were like, yeah, he's, he's okay, but he's also fucking not. But yeah, yeah let him have visitation with his yeah. kids. Cool. In the last week of January 2012, you tied, you tied, you tied, I tied, Utah police discovered about 400 images of simulated child pornography, bestiality, and incest on Josh's computer. Okay? The fuck? But get get this. The images were not illegal due to their being in a hand-drawn or cartoonish 3D format. That's fucked. Uh Uh-huh. And so they were a cause for, quote, unquote, great concern by Manly, the guy who was, you know, looking at his mental health. Particularly given Josh's earlier denial of possessing any such material, Josh was recommended to receive a more thorough psychosexual evaluation and and polygraph test, but Manly suggested no change in visitation schedule with his boys. What the fuck? Okay, so... Child porn, bestiality, incest... And they were already living in a house with... His father, their who father, the same- their grandfather, who was had child porn, and then their father, who has simulated child porn, which is simulated, which it's is apparently car- it's just fucking fine. Cartoons, the yeah. fuck, no, dirty as fuck. All the while, their fucking mother is still missing. 
for years. And he's we up- don't have any closure there. We don't know what the fuck's going on there And he's uprooted them and moved them to their a different state. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. You ready for this? I don't know. So on February 5th, 2012, a social worker called 911 after bringing Charlie and Brayden to their supervised visit at Josh's house in South Hill, Washington. Okay. The woman who was supposed to monitor the visit between Josh and the boys said he grabbed them and wouldn't let her in the door. He what? took, he snatched the kids up. So I have the 911 call because it's um, detailing as much as it is infuriating because this fucking 911 caller who she called into is a I want to fucking reach through the phone and fucking murder him. So this is between the dispatcher and the social worker. This 911 call. Because I still, I mean, because this shit is still crazy. Oh, yeah. Just wait. Is it all going to come? Am I going to get a full circle story here? Yeah. Okay. Kind. Well, no, but yeah. (laughs) So the dispatcher says, good morning. And the social worker says, hey, I'm on a supervised visitation for a court-ordered visit and something really weird has happened. The kids went into the house and the parent, the biological parent, his name is Josh Powell, would not let me in the door. What should I do? 911. What's the address? She says, it's 8119 and I think it's 89th. I don't know what the address is. 911. Okay, that's pretty important for me to know. And when I'm saying it in that tone that i've listened pretty to, similar, i've listened to it it's a pretty similar That's, energy yeah i'm not making up his tone uh she says i'm sorry just a minute let me get in my car and see if i can find it nothing like this has ever happened before in these visitations so i'm really shocked and i can hear one of the kids crying but he still wouldn't let me in okay it is one of uh one oh just a minute i have it here you can't find me by gps operator no she says, okay, it is, I still can't find it, but I think I need help right away. He's on a very short lease with, with DSHS, which is Department of Social and Health Services, and CPS, Child Protective Services, uh, has been involved. In this, and this is the craziest thing. He looked me right in the eye and just closed the door. And then she says, are you there? To the, you know, 911. He says, yes, ma'am, I'm just waiting to know where you are. Damn. And she says, okay, it's blah, 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 blah. I'm giving, I'm not going to read the address. And I'd like to pull, I'd like to pull out of the driveway because I smell gasoline and he won't let me in. 911. You want to pull out of the driveway because you smell gasoline, but he won't let you. She said, he won't let me in. He says, he won't let you out of the driveway. No, he won't let me in the house. Who's in the house? She says, He's got the kids in the house and he won't let me in. It's a supervised visit. And she's very, like, distraught. This is, and he says, the 911 caller, I understand. Who's in, who, who, whose house is it? She says, Josh Powell. Okay, you don't live there, right? She says, no, no. I'm contracted to the state to provide supervised visitation. He says, I see. Okay. Uh, and who is there to exercise the visitation? That's and she literally just said that she was there to exercise oh the visitation. She says, I am. Uh, uh, I, uh, and uh, and the visit is with Josh Powell, and he's the husband of, and she gets cut off, and he says, and who's supervising? She says, I supervise. 911 caller. So you supervise, and you're doing the visit? 
you supervise yourself? So this guy's under the impression that she's one of the... He just can't... He just is not listening. That she's one of the guardians, I guess? I, like, And she says, I supervise myself. I'm the supervisor here. He says, wait a minute. And he's got such a tone, because I told you I listened. He says, wait a minute. If it's a supervised visit, you can't supervise yourself if you're there, the visitor. If you're the visitor. She says, I supervise myself. I'm the supervisor for the supervised visit. And he says, okay, but aren't you the one making the visit? Or is there another parent there that you're supervising? She says, I'm the one that supervises. I pick up the kids at their grandparents. He said, yes, and then who visits the children? She says, Josh Powell. He says, okay, so you're supposed to be there to supervise Josh Powell's visit with the children. She says, yes, that's correct. And he's the husband of missing Susan Powell. This is a high-profile case. That's what she says. This is a 911. No, this is fuck. This dude sounds like a jackass. The 911 caller, yeah. So, 911, he says, How did he gain access to the children before you got there? She said, I was one step in back of them. He says, So, they went into the house and he locked you out? She, yeah, he shut the door right in my face. And he says, All right, now it's clear. Your last name? Blah, blah, blah. That happens, you know. And he says, and what you're, and what agency are you with? She said, Foster Care Resource Network. And the kids have been in there by now approximately 10 minutes. And he knows there's this is supposed to be a supervised visit. You know, she's very distraught when she's saying all this. He says, how many children? She says, two. Braden is five and Charlie is seven. 911 operator. And the dad's last name? She's Powell. P-O-W-E-L-L. And he says, two L's? Two L's at the end of Powell? He just can't fucking listen to her. She says, yes. His first name? His first name is Josh. And it's like, how many times has she said this by now? Well, he's just plugging it all fucking in. No, but he's like, not really, he's not, you know. He's not taking it seriously. She it said, he says, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, native. He's white. Date of birth. I don't know. He's about 39. He says, how tall? She's 5'10", 150 pounds. And they say, the 911 caller says, hair color? brown and he says did you know did you notice what he was wearing and i'm i tell you this 911 caller is like did you notice what he's wearing and she's like i don't you know she's very distraught and he's like did you notice what he's wearing no i didn't notice what he was wearing so is he alone a 911 caller asks what the fuck bro send the fucking How help many times man has she already said what's going on though yeah i don't know i couldn't get into the house a 911 operator says are you in a vehicle now or are you on foot she says, I'm in a vehicle. I'm in a Prius, a 2010 Prius. The door is locked. He hasn't opened the door. I rang the doorbell and everything. I begged him to let me in. 911, please listen to my questions. What color is the Toyota Prius? What a she, fucking jackass. She, and she's like, gray, dark gray. And the license number? I don't know. I can look. And so she gives him the license number finally. And the 911 operator says, all right, we'll have somebody look for you there. And she says, okay, well, how long will it be? And he's, I don't know, ma'am. They have to respond to emergency life-threatening situations first. The first available deputy will respond. She says, this could be life-threatening. He went to court on Wednesday and he didn't bring his kids back. And this, this is really, uh, I'm afraid for their lives. And the 911 says, okay, has he threat threatened the lives of the children previously? This fucking dude is almost as tough as that paper you're trying Sorry. to turn there. 
And she says, I have no idea. He says, all right, well, we'll have the first available deputy contact you. She says, thank you. Bye. Hangs up on her. Okay. So he's got the kids in the house. We still don't know what happened to his wife. We don't have any closure. Josh, this is a social Dad's in jail. She's had to deal with this fucking doucher of a fucking 911 caller. Obviously distraught social worker. Yeah. On top of all the crazy circumstances that led to this. Yeah. And this is years later after Susan's disappearance. She's still never been found up to this point, right? And she's going to lead this visitation. And Josh shuts the door in her face locks the door and she can hear the boys crying and she can smell gasoline so she makes this 911 call uh which obviously was not dealt with well as you can tell i mean i know i'm reading it back and forth but this guy if you go and listen you can listen to it you can find it and this he doesn't guy give a shit a right dick and literally tells her like well, we have to deal with life-threatening situations before we and she's like this could be life-threatening. This is a high-profile case. I smell gas. The kids are screaming, and I'm locked out of the house. Yeah. That's a big fucking deal. Yeah, for right? sure. So soon after she makes this 911 call, the house explodes, killing God damn it. Josh and both kids. That's fucking fucked. Yeah. Damn. I hope that fucking dispatcher went to jail. So... Apparently what had happened inside the house was that Josh tried to kill his two sons with a hatchet. What? Because he was just ready to end it all, I guess. He tried to kill him with a hatchet. Before the flames of the fire explosion, he had ignited, engulfed them all, and police said that he had failed to kill both of them with the hatchet. Um, what the fuck? But, you know, they were obviously very wounded and had tons of smoke in their lungs and were you know they died of subsequent so, smoke the, inhalation and he but he thought literally he tried to murder them hatchet. before lighting the house up oh what a terribly sad story this is i know how is there more no i'm just gonna wrap it up so the really frustrating thing is that like he didn't leave a note he wasn't like I, you know, this is where Susan is. I, uh, yeah, I did kill her or whatever. We don't get a confession. Or even his dad, you know, no. It was, he, after all this time, just murdered his two sons and himself the house. And the most frustrating thing about that part of it is that that 911 caller just acted like it wasn't even a life-threatening situation. And he could have changed the game, probably. Where she was just like, no, this could be. And he wasn't, he could, he was not, blah, blah, blah. I could just, I'm going to do like a whole episode of 911 calls, I swear to God, because I can't. I can't. Um, Josh's sister, Jennifer, and co-author Emily Clausen wrote a memoir about the Powell family's tumultuous, 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 tumultuous history. And the memoir was published in June 2013 as A Light in Dark Places. Jennifer was inspired to write the book, she says, quote, to help other people to recognize abuse in either their own relationship or relationships around them because it's not always completely apparent. Um, In March 2015, Cox won a protracted court battle over the control of Susan's estate. Josh's mother, Terika, and sister, Alina, had sought to, to have Susan declared legally dead to collect life insurance. They, the, his wife, the dude's family? Josh, 
dude's mom. Y'all have done enough. Dude's mom and sister wanted to have her declared legally dead to collect life insurance, but disgusting. Uh, Cox ultimately gained full control of the state, which good. Was her, yeah, parents. good because that's fucking disgusting. Josh's dad was released July eleventh, twenty seventeen, after serving. A total of seven years following his voyeurism and child pornography convictions. And then he subsequently died immediately thereafter he, by being hit by a bus. He passed away. Yeah, he did. Piece of naturally. shit. Naturally. Lucky bastard. On Monday, July 23rd, 2018. You fucking son of a bitch. You should have... Because, man, because he could have fucking been involved. You know, because oh we'll never know. That's a fucking Luli. The deranged shit going on between that father and... Oh, my God, Lastly, Susan remains a missing person, but Uh. given the fates of her son, it is widely believed that she was murdered by her husband. There are calls as of March 2018 to have have her declared dead with the cause being homicide. That is fucked! Isn't that crazy? But, yeah, I don't know. I had just heard about that story... I'd read about it. I heard multiple that podcasts about it. That is fucking just, heavy. You just think that he's going to get caught for it, and that's going to be the end of it. But, and then he fucking but murders he doesn't. His kids. And then his and then his dad comes out with these allegations against them, him and his wife having this relationship, and then he goes to jail for child these pornography. Last ditch. And I then, mean, oh my god, it keeps going. Right. And There's then he no, just that, murders. His poor children. Anyone and left in that and kills himself. Anyone left in that family on both sides. I mean, god damn. So it's you so poor, awful. poor people. God, you know, fuck. That's so much to yeah. go through. On you know, like his fucking Josh's sister mm-hmm. said he was likely the guy that did right. it, and then her father goes to jail for child pornography. Right. Her brother kills his own kids, but also has jesus imagine the but also basically has child porn on his computer it's just yeah you can't he can't so there's i mean there's probably so many stories there dark really unfortunate stories we'll never know between the dad and between steven and josh i think honestly but it's just it's just sad it's i'm she even went to lengths of like leaving no i mean she was he the kind of shit he was saying was probably terrifying to her Mm -hmm. so much as she would take out Safety deposit well, boxes, even, yeah. leave private journals, correspond with somebody so she would have another point of contact in her dictations. Like what's what's really chilling is that she said when her coworker asked her, Is he threatening has he has he threatened you? She said, No, it's just the way he talks. Yeah. That's creepy. Like it's just commonplace for him to say fucked up weird shit. Yeah. Either way, rest in peace to all those people, uh, except Josh. Mm-hmm. And Steven, because yeah. honestly, you guys don't really deserve it. I mean that, honestly. Those poor babies. I know, those poor kids. And and she and the fact that he didn't, she'll never he have didn't a... just set the house on fire. He literally tried to murder them and unsuccessfully murdered them. God damn it. And then set the house on fire. It's fucked up. But that story just, when I heard it, I was like, holy fucking shit. This has so many twists and turns Ugh. and so many aspects and it goes just in a complete different direction that you never would think it would and just and to, these fucking asshole monsters need to be recognized as what they are and and but at the same time much to throw back to other stories like these kids were the ones who deserved to be remembered 
the mother is the one that deserves to be remembered. These fucking these these. She's Josh still is, never even been found. She never even got. If she's dead, you know. I mean, she's she's probably dead. She's certainly dead. If a man can kill his two children, he can kill his wife. And it's sad she'll never have a grave or children to mourn her. Well, they. I'm sure she has. A, I'm sure they. They yeah, but at the same time, there's a certain comfort I think that comes with that. And uh, man, that was heavy. I'm sorry. I don't mean to keep doing heavy stuff. That yeah, that you story do. was just crazy. You did that on yeah, it was. It was okay, crazy. no, I did Black Eyed Kids last week. So true. We did. Yeah, we lightened the mood a little bit, and then we just dove <laughs> right back into it. You know, we and do I'm take... sorry, but I am gonna. That's gonna be the bulk of what I do. Sure. Yeah. Because sure. True it's crime. True crime. Yeah. Is what I. And I will be honest. I'm gonna really try to stray away from children deaths because that's not oh, easy. Those that's poor not, babies. Nobody really wants to hear that. Those but poor little babies, this man. Story they never was even just fucking so... knew what was happening. Yeah, this story was just. It wasn't just a murder of kids. It was like so much more than that infinitely more than that and that's uh, i think that the system let so many people down to the extent that and that's why i wanted to read that 911 conversation we should try to find the youth we should try to find it and put it on the website oh i will i'll post it i actually kind of wanted to just do it like yeah but we haven't really gotten to that point where we do a lot of audio clips but i would yeah oh my god the the 911 call is infuriating well before we just ramble on, we got two dogs over here. One's slobbering, one's barking. Let's go ahead and tie this bad boy up. Thank you all so much for listening to We Drink and We Know Things. This has been episode 14. Yeah. Yes. Sorry if we depressed you. Uh, we still didn't do a cocktail next week. Next well, week. we never even talked about what we were drinking this time. We could have done a cocktail. We well, will do a cocktail yeah. next week. Uh, you know, follow us on social media. Email us at we drink and we know things podcast at gmail. Yeah. Give us suggestions or feedback or corrections. We'll throw links to our social media accounts in the show notes and be sure to check out our website because I'm going to be throwing a bunch of pictures of the Denver International Airport uh, up on the website yeah. as well I'll as on find our social that media. Call. Yeah. And thank you guys so much for listening, man. And thank uh, you guys. we'll see you next week. Probably. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. 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 Bye.